Now, I want you to follow me in the reading of this chapter. I want you to follow along with me very closely because it is quite difficult to follow along as Paul is making his claim that through Christ alone and Christ only and our faith in him, God justifies the sinner. And it's very important. It's, a, it's one of the cardinal doctrines of the Christian faith. And it's one that you should um, uh, claim as your own and, and know deeply on the inside. So let me read this. Romans 3, starting there in verse 1. What advantage then has the Jew, or what is the profit of circumcision? And that was a custom of the Jewish people, and it just showed their separation, their difference in the flesh, much in every way, chiefly because to them were committed the oracles of God. The very things that God spoke, he committed to his people, his separate people, and he loves the Jewish people. For what if some did not believe? Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? Certainly not. Indeed, let God be true, but every man a liar. If there's going to be, if there's going to be a choice between man being righteous and God, let God be true. As it is written that you may be justified in your words, that is God, that God may be justified in his words and may overcome when he, God, you, you, God, are judged. You know, people judge God. They judge him all the time. But if our righteousness demonstrates the righteousness of God, if our unrighteousness demonstrates the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unjust who inflicts wrath? I speak as a man, Paul says, certainly not. For then how will God judge the world? For if the truth of God has increased through my lie, Paul is speaking hypothetically here, he's trying to argue against them calling him unrighteous. And, and so he says, if, if the truth of God increased through my lie to his glory, why am I also still judged as a sinner? Why not say, let us do evil that good may come? And that's, of course, nonsense. And Paul is making that very clear. As we are slanderously reported, and as some affirm that we say, their condemnation is just. What then, he says, are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. Notice that. As it is written, there is none righteous in their own strength and in their own might and their own religion. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who speaks or seeks after God. They have all turned aside. Isn't that how it is when before we're saved? Yes, it is. They have together become unprofitable. 
There is none who does good. No, not one. Paul is driving it home that there is none righteous before God and in his sight without Christ. He goes even further. He says, their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asp or snakes is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. He just, he just, hammers home our our carnal nature and why we need to be forgiven, cleansed, and empowered over these things. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace they have not known. Then he says this, there is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped. In other words, if somebody's boasting that they're righteous in the sight of God or that they have no sin, Paul says their mouth is stopped under this truth. And all the world, it's under the law, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh shall be justified in his sight. Everybody say that, in his sight. That is so key, because how we view things about our lives, about others, is far different than what God sees. And so we have to get God's perspective and his word His word helps us understand his perspective. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. In other words, the law shows us what to do and that we can't do it, and so it becomes sin. We we sin. We know sin by what God's law says. But now, everybody say, but now. The righteousness of God. Whose righteousness? God's righteousness. Apart from the law is revealed. God's righteousness is is revealed, being witnessed by who? The law and the prophets. In other words, the law spoke about God's righteousness, how he would bring it to pass. The prophets spoke about his righteousness, how he would bring it to pass. Even the righteousness of God, and here it is, through faith in Jesus Christ, to all and on all who believe. So Paul is making his case to the ones that he loves dearly in Rome. He loves and wants the Jewish people to be saved. But they are saying that, at least the ones that he was dealing with, that they were righteous without Christ. And Paul says, no, the law and the prophets speak of the righteousness of God, and it's only through Messiah. It's only through the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, to all who believe. For there is no difference. There is no difference. Listen, for all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. Everybody say demonstrate. God is demonstrating, he demonstrated his righteousness through his son. It's his righteous acts toward mankind. Because 
in his forbearance, and I got, I got such a blessing when I came to this word as I was studying it, and I'm going to give it, I'm going to show you why here in a moment. Forbearance, the forbearance, because of his forbearance, God had passed over the sins. He literally refers to the Passover here, just like God in his grace passed over all of Israel because of the blood. Remember, they didn't deserve it. They were all sinners, but he passed over their sin and they did not die. He says the same thing. God has passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness. He says it again. He is demonstrating. He demonstrated his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Say, I'm the one who has faith in Jesus. Come on. And so what is he doing? He just passes over the sin. He cleanses your sin. Where is boasting then, Paul said? It is excluded by what law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. You know, faith is a law, but it, but it frees us. How many know that there's, God uh, has power uh, available to those of us who act in faith, live by faith, walk by faith, and there are precepts to it, there's, there's principles to it, and that's what he's talking about here. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified, everybody say justified, by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Or is he the God of the Jews only? Of course not. Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Say, somebody say amen on that one, because I wasn't born Jewish. I'm a Gentile. So are you, most of you. Is anyone, is anyone Jewish, born Jewish? All right. Anyone? No? All right. Yes, the Gentiles also. Everybody say yes. yes. Since there is one God who, just, who will justify the circumcised by faith and uh, the uncircumcised through faith, do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish it. Let's pray. Father, <clears throat> thank you for your word tonight. It is incredibly powerful. Thank you, Jesus, that you're helping us understand, and you're going to give us even more clarity as we walk through some of these verses. And Lord, I thank you that you're going to put hope and joy and peace in our heart, and I thank you for it all. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen, amen. So I want to preach on the subject tonight, justified, justified by Almighty God. And so what does all of this discourse mean? I was trying to explain it some as we were walking through it, but it's very simple. It, it doesn't, it's not as cluttered as it seems because Paul's making a simple disclosure here. In Christ and in Him only are you and I justified in the sight of Almighty God. And the only way we can we can be in Christ is to ask Jesus to forgive us of our sins and to come into our life. He comes into us and we enter into him by the spirit of God and we enter into his family. Outside of Christ, there is 
no justification in the sight of God. So what does the word justification mean? It's a big word. It's a biblical word, so it's very important for, for us to understand it. What does it mean? It simply means, everybody say, vindication, vindication, vindication in the sight of God. That means to be absolved of all sin, to be absolved of all guilt, to be absolved of all shame in the sight of God. Now, the devil wants to condemn you. The devil wants you to be shameful. He wants you to operate out of insecurities. He wants you to live by those feelings of dread and shame and guilt. But every sin that you confess to God and ask for cleansing, what does he do? He cleanses you from all sin. Somebody say amen. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is one of the very first verses I learned in the Bible because I was really messing up a lot when I gave my life to Jesus. Messing up a lot. And I felt guilty. There was so much that I was going through. First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So I would take that verse and I would aim it at the devil. Somebody say amen. I would say, devil, this is what God says about me now. I am vindicated. I am absolved of all sin and all guilt and all shame from my past. But I had to confess. I have to confess. I mean, John makes it very clear, the whole Bible. And so this This word vindication or justification in the sight of God. Other people may not see it. They may see the old Randy. They may see the old you. They may kind of hear tones out of you that sound like the old you. And and yeah, you got to clean it up. Everybody say, clean it up. That's like a mess. You know, it just spills out of our mouth. Oh, I gotta, I gotta clean that up. I remember when I first got saved. This was so funny. I, I, I used to do furniture restoration. Now I do people restoration. Hallelujah. My dad, my dad remembers those days. And uh, I own my own business, and it was fairly lucrative. It was fun. I, it, I would do antiques, but I remember uh, we had this big job. We had this this living room furniture, dining room furniture, or something, and we were carrying it up. Uh, these stairs into this, um, I think, apartment or whatever. And oh, oh, the the heavy piece of furniture wedged my finger right between the furniture and the wall, and things came out of my mouth. This was right after I was saved. I mean, like days after I was saved, that I would not repeat. Certainly not here. Absolutely. I didn't want to repeat them ever again. And you know what? I never did. Because what I did in that moment, my friend who I had been witnessing to, he goes, oh, you said that you were saved. Remember that? You know how people treat you when you first get saved? They think it's the old you. It's not the old you. And I I looked at him after shaking it off. Everybody say, shake it off. Shake it off. I looked at him and I said, Don, I am so sorry. I should have not said that. You are right, and I want you to forgive me, and I ask God to forgive me. And he went like this. He was like, wow. So we just picked it right up, 
and we just carried it right on up. And, and from that point on, Don was paying attention to everything that I would say to him because he knew the real change on the inside. He saw something in me that changed in here. He knew that I believed in Jesus and that Jesus changed me. And I remember he was smoking pot. I mean, he was doing all those things. He would say, hey, pastor, or not pastor, no, I wasn't pastor yet. Hey, Randy, let's go smoke. And I said, I'm not smoking pot anymore, Don. I'm not drinking anymore. Jesus is living on the inside of me. I can't defile this temple. And he would go, really? And so, you know, it was amazing. Then I would witness to him. And I would witness. And I remember one time the Spirit of God came so strong into that that place that we did all the restoration. The Spirit of God. And he began to weep. And I said, do you want to give your life to Jesus? And he resisted. I had to, you know, eventually Don left. You know, he couldn't take it anymore. I was witnessing so much to him. There was so much light that was coming, pouring out. I got another guy in, started slowly talking with him, sharing the gospel with him. The power of God, same exact thing, just filled the room. It was after time, after time, you know, and, and just the power of God, weeping, crying, and conviction un, uh, under the conviction of God. You see, when you really understand that you have been justified, absolved, and that you can walk in this, you can walk in the forgiveness of God. You can live without guilt and shame of messing up because he cleanses us. He washes us. He pardons us. He forgives us of all sin. And then he empowers us to live for him in righteousness. He sees you as righteous. You are not guilty. You are guiltless. Because you have been washed in the blood of Jesus. Say, Pastor Randy, I feel guilty. Well, if you've confessed all of your sin, if you've asked Jesus come into your life, and you still feel guilty, that's the devil. Everybody say, devil, get behind me. Say it like you mean it. Devil, get behind me now. Oh, hallelujah. Get under my feet. Now, hallelujah. I'm the righteousness of God now through Christ Jesus. Look at your neighbor. Say, you're the righteousness of God. Come on. See, the devil don't want you to know that or walk in that, but you are. So I want to examine just a few of these passages here, and let's get into it real quick. The Father has created his standard of justification for all mankind. Anyone, anywhere, in any nation can experience this. Wherever the gospel is preached, they can experience justification by faith and being absolved, forgiven, pardoned, without guilt and shame in the sight of God. Notice what it says. And I'll just read it again. Now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed. It's God has not hidden. It's not done in a corner now. It's not done concealed. It's done revealed. And God's righteousness is open for everyone to experience and know. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the Old Testament spoke about it. He's, not, he, he's the same God as he was then. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. The righteousness of God is revealed. And it's, it's openly uh, available for all. The Father spoke of his plan through the law and the prophets. 
the law and the prophets are witness to what we experience. Somebody say amen. And so we ha- we're not basing this on our feelings. We're not basing it upon what we think and what we hope. We are basing it on the law and the prophets of what Jesus, Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets with every act and action that he took for our salvation. See, the righteousness of God is only found through faith in Jesus. Your faith is so important. It is so powerful. You don't realize how powerful your faith is. When you start operating in faith, I believe you, God. I believe this about you. I believe that about you. I believe this promise. I believe I'm going to claim that promise. I'm going to believe what you say about me. Somebody say amen. That's a big one right there. But through faith in Jesus, to all who believe, the Father has created, let me say it again, his standard of justification for everyone. Now notice this. He says it, and we just read it, but let me read it again, being justified freely. Everybody say freely. By his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ, whom God set forth. Who did God set forth? Jesus. And the redemption in him. He placed redemption in Christ through his life. As a propitiation, God set forth as a propitiation Jesus Christ and by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. So what does that mean? What does that even mean? So to those who believe in God's son, you have number one, redemption. Everybody say redemption. And it's just not, well, I, I, I might reclaim you. That's what redemption means. Well, you know, you know, you, you were in the right place at the right time, so God, God says, I'll reclaim you. No, it's I redeem you freely, willingly, powerfully. Justification. You have, if you believe in his son, you have justification. That is validation. Freely, spontaneously, God, is, at the moment you believe, God responds. Somebody say amen. You don't have to wait on God. God just, he just comes instantly. The justification takes place, the validation. Generously, freely, willingly, spontaneously. And then you have grace. Everybody say grace. Unmerited favor. And it's just not, it's just not, well, I think I'll give you favor. No, it's it's undeserving favor. It's over and abundant favor upon your life. He gives it liberally. He gives it generously. He gives it willingly. And he keeps pouring it out. Look at your neighbor and say, he's still pouring it out on you. <coughs> Hallelujah. And then if you, to those who believe in his son, there is propitiation. Now, you may never have heard of that word before today, but let me just tell you what it means, because you're going to like this word after I tell you. It means that God is appeased. I mean, no, God is a just God. He has to punish sin. He has to punish sin. We're all sinners, so there's punishment for all of us. But in Christ, somebody say amen, God is appeased now. Oh, they are in my son, and therefore there is 
There is no condemnation and there is no enmity. There is no war. There is no bitterness. There is no anger. I am appeased. How? Through my son. Somebody say amen. Woo! It means that God is pacified now. There's no other way. There's no other way this could happen. It's not through religion. It's not through education. It's not through what I believe. This is how me and God have an agreement. Me and God have an agreement. He'll do his best. I'll do our be- my best. No, that's not the agreement. It is faith in his son and faith in his son alone. And you must be born again and be filled with the Holy Spirit, forgiven of all your sin, and empowered by God to become sons and daughters, living in righteousness and grace and power. That's what propitiation does it means conciliation and the calming listen how many know that the bible says he's angry with the sinner every day he loves the sinner but he hates the sin people say well you know we got to love people all the time god hates the sin but he loves the sinner we have to love the sinner enough to tell them about their sin but guess what guess what in christ All of that is done away with. All of the adversity that we feel, all the enmity that we might feel, God has reversed all of the hostility that he had toward our sin. Woo! Hallelujah! Come on! We're talking about the God of creation here, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one who who caused Mount Moriah to smoke. Somebody said, shook the ground. Open the Red Sea. It is he who is appeased now with me. Woo, hallelujah. And all of this wonderful action that God has taken toward us, all of this wonderful movement toward you and I, We were sinners separated, but God came. Somebody say amen. All of this demonstrated the Father's righteousness. His righteousness toward us. This is an amazing revelation. That God proved his righteousness. When everyone else says, well, you know, God, you gotta, you got to smite them or, or you, you don't like that nation or, you know, all of the bigotry in the world, all of the hatred in the world. We know how it is. No, God says, I have created my own righteousness and whoever believes in my son, they will be virtuous to me. They will be blameless. That's, that's what righteousness means. Righteousness means virtuous, blameless, just. Morally, they're just. And they, they, have, they have received the justice of God toward themselves. Somebody say amen. The Bible tells us that God demonstrated his love toward us. God demonstrated his love. Everybody say, God demonstrated his love. He shows us. He shows us. God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. Oh, hallelujah. So what more could he do? What more could God do for us? What more could he do to demonstrate his love? We all know these two verses. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. He loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, and that everlasting life empowers us to live godly lives in this world. 
For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God had to send Christ. His redemption had to be in in Christ because his justice had to be appeased. Our sin had to be cleansed so that he would be pleased with you and I. Somebody say amen. And this is what really got me this week, and I'll close. Come on up here, Dave. It literally says this, in his forbearance, I got, I started shouting on this word. Of all the words in the Bible, as I was studying this, uh, this week, the word forbearance, I got happy at the word forbearance. Can you believe that? Forbearance. What's wrong with Pastor Randy? Listen, it's so powerful. In his forbearance, God had passed over the sins, our sins, that were previously committed. All of the sins of my past. Through God's forbearance, he passed over to demonstrate at the present time. Everybody say that at the present time. He passed over to demonstrate right now his righteousness toward us. That he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. See, his goal is to to be just. He has to be just because he's holy. And so he now becomes the justifier through his son, the vindicator, the validator of you and I. You are no longer a sinner, Randy. You are a son. You are no longer a castaway. You are a part of my family now. And I love this, that he is, the, he is just and the justifier. Listen to this. I just felt this. I mean, I almost shouted. I was shouting and praising God. Fortunately, only Scott was in the building at the time or the, everybody else would have thought something was wrong. He, listen to this. You know what that means? He is the judge. He is the jury. And he is the defense attorney for his children. In the courtroom of heaven, when the devil comes marching in, I guess if he does like he did Job, I doubt if he's doing that now. There's no way. Somebody say amen. But maybe back in the Old Testament that could have happened. I have no idea. But who can bring a charge against God's elect? It is Christ who died. It is Christ who justified. And now we stand before God perfectly whole in his sight. See, the blood of Christ applied to your life and mine produces forbearance. Forbearance in the heart of our Heavenly Father. What does that mean, forbearance? It means mercy. Everybody say mercy. It means mercy. (laughs) It means restraint. It means leniency. I remember one time I had to I had to pick up my son. Uh, he, he wasn't he he had he had done what teenagers do in high school <clears throat> sometimes, and and. Uh, 
he wasn't doing too good. He was just a, he was a little inebriated. And I looked at him, and I just I said, get in the car, Steve. And he gets in, and, you know, I'm thinking, Lord, what am I going to say to him? What am I going to say? What am I going to say here? Am I just going to, you know, beat him down? And so I didn't say anything on the way home, but he said a lot. And he was just crying. You know, I'm so sorry, Dad. I didn't mean to do it. I won't do it. You know, all of that. I didn't have to say anything, hardly at all. And I'll never forget, it was so, so good to be able to show restraint to my son. To, to talk to him about, this is, this is why you don't do this. And this is why you should choose other things. The word forbearance is needed. That characteristic of God is so needed for, for you parents. Listen. Parents, listen. The word forbearance means patience. Patience. But that's what God has toward us. So what does all of this mean? Let me give you the concluding thoughts here. Romans 8, 31 says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with Christ freely give us all things? See, this is the heart of your father. He doesn't want to condemn you. He wants to bless you. And so... When you stand before him every day and you ask for your, his cleansing and for his spirit to empower you, guess what his first thoughts are toward you? To freely give you all things. Everything that he possesses, he wants to give to you. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns us? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us, who shall, who shall separate us from the love of Christ, shall tribulation, no, or distress, no, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, no, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter, yet in all these things, say it with me, we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loved us. Stand with me. Bring those lights down. Let's make a declaration. Say it after me. Come on. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your justification on my life through Jesus Christ. Thank you that through the blood of Christ and faith in Him, I am free from guilt, from shame, from unbelief, from lies, from my own sin. Thank you for your forbearance, for showing me mercy, being patient, and restraint toward me. Thank you that I am vindicated and validated as your child. 
The devil cannot condemn me because you have redeemed me. I am accepted in the beloved. I declare and believe that you are my merciful Savior who has good things for me. And I rejoice in your ways, your word, and I will walk in your paths. I declare and decree every sin is broken, every curse is broken, every lie is silenced, every sickness healed, every curse is crushed by your anointing, by the blood of Jesus, and by your righteousness toward me and for me. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray and everyone said, amen. Come on, give God praise right now. Hallelujah. You are justified, exonerated by God himself. Thank you, Father. Bow your heads right now. Let's pray this way. Ask the Father right now to give you such a revelation of his love for you. Go on. That it flows out of you to everyone else. No more harsh words. No more selfish actions. You have been so good to us, Lord. We want to be good to everyone. I'm not going to live my life, God, without demonstrating your great love. It's your breath.